Now let's just turn to the scriptures this evening. We're going to turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written by King Solomon. And of course, they are inspired sayings. And we could really say that there are inspired sayings for life on this earth. And we're turning to Proverbs chapter 10. Now notice as I've said, you've got here a statement at the first, the Proverbs of Solomon. That's the wise sayings. Laws from heaven for life and earth. That would be a good description. Proverbs 10 verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son maketh a glad father. But a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. But righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. But he casteth away the substance of the wicked. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Blessings are upon the head of the just. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the just is blessed. But the name of the wicked shall rot. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his way shall be known. He that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow, but a prating fool shall fall. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 12. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing these words that we have read together. Now my text tonight is taken from Proverbs chapter 10. And the verse 5, and my subject this evening is sleeping in the harvest. Now the word harvest is mentioned 53 times in the Bible. The first reference, of course, is Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night, shall not cease. There you have God's promise of the harvest. Year on year from the beginning of time, God has provided a harvest for the earth and its people. Times a bumper harvest. Other times we could even describe it with the adjective, a bad harvest. But there's always been a harvest and there always will be a harvest of the earth. God is always true 
to his word. We have been singing, great is thy faithfulness. And God's faithfulness, of course, is rooted in his covenant mercy to us in Christ. The last reference to harvest in the Bible is Revelation 14 and verse 15. And it talks about the harvest of the earth. And of course it's a reference to the last harvest or the final harvest. And that's a subject all by itself. In fact, I've never preached in that subject and I maybe will on some occasion. But in between these two references, there are 51 other references to the word harvest. And I took the time last night uh, to look up every reference that there was to the word harvest. And in between, uh, I was thinking of this uh, reference in verse 5 of Proverbs 10. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. So here's our meditation for tonight. Sleeping in the harvest. Three things from this text of scripture. First of all, you've got the privilege of sonship. If you look at the text, it mentions the word son twice. A wise son. But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. And that reminds me, of course, of the parable of the two sons that the Lord Jesus told. I want you to think tonight, because I believe that this has a literal and probably historic fulfillment in the mind of Solomon. Think of a father that has two sons. This father happens to be a farmer. And there he is out laboring in the field and they're gathering in the summer crops. And one son is involved. He's alongside his father. He's up and at it, we would say. It it speaks, if you think of the word gathereth, of hard work, of being diligent, of faithfulness, of sincerity. Here's a, a chap that's working alongside his father because he is his father's son. He knows, of course, that the winter is coming. The winter can be harsh and severe. And therefore he is designated by Solomon a wise son. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. And if we were to say to this young fellow, by way of having a a, a word with him, uh, how would you describe yourself, young fellow? Give us an analysation. Give us your opinion of, of, of yourself. Well, well, he could use this adjective and say, well, I'm wise because I gather in summer. And then maybe we could cross-examine him a bit and say, well, what about your brother? And he would say, oh, he's foolish. Or might, he might say, if he's from Bush Mills, he's as lazy as shuck water and it doesn't move. Because it says in the text, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. In other words, his brother is fast asleep, uh, probably in bed. Uh, And you can almost think at six o'clock in the morning of the sun rising, the cock crowing, men uh, getting out of bed and donning on their work clothes, maybe having a bite of breakfast uh, and going on out into labor in the field. Uh, And yet he is a son of his father who is still in bed, fast asleep, sleeping 
in the harvest. And yet both boys are designated as being sons of their father. Now let me try and apply that in a spiritual sense. Because the Bible says, speaking of Christ, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them give he the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And of course, John the Apostle went on to say in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And what a privilege it is to be a child of God, to be a spiritually designated a son of God. Notice also here the reference to summer, the reference to harvest. These sons are supposed to be at work because this is a day of gracious opportunity. And what a wonderful thing it is, because we're a Christian, because we're a child of God, to be able to go to a soul at school, at work, or wherever, and tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Offer Christ to them. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Tell them, as Hannah has told us tonight, but we have testimony. God is merciful. God is gracious. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He's love. Uh, he, God is life. Uh, and God is, is a help, a very present help in trouble. Well, what a wonderful thing it is to use the, the gospel uh, invitation. I remember over there in the last book of the Bible, uh, the last invitation that was ever uttered is in Revelation chapter uh, 22. And it says there in Revelation 22, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. I, I was thinking about the call of God I, I was thinking about Genesis chapter 7 and 1 when God said to Noah, Come thou and thy house into the ark. And the ark, of course, is a picture of Christ. Think of the word ark. A stands for admittance. And how were they admitted into the ark? They had to take a step from the cursed ground across the threshold into the ark. And were admitted into Christ by a step of faith. He that believeth hath everlasting life. Think of the letter R. It stands for redemption. Noah and his family were kept safe from the flood by being inside the ark. And we have redemption in Christ. And of course we're kept in Christ. A-R-K. And what a privilege. What a joy to be a Christian. And we've heard the call of God to come to Christ. We've come to him and we could almost remember, maybe you can, I trust that you are able to recall the day you got saved, your excitement, maybe your tears, the joy in your heart, the confession of your mouth. You were not afraid to say, you didn't feel to say, I'm a believer now. What a privilege you had to, to tell and talk about the Savior, to tell what God has done for you. I think of the woman at the well sent back into Samaria and she said to them, to the villagers, come meet a man that told me all that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Hasn't God blessed us tonight? We're here at the harvest. George has made mention of things and how the church is decorated. We're here with health and strength. 
We're here with the gift of food in our belly. We're here with material blessings. We're here in safety because the Lord has watched over our going out and our coming in. And the question tonight does come to our heart. If there's such a thing as the privilege of sonship, being a son of the Father, then the question is this. Are we really and truly a child of God? Do we know that we've been born again? Do we know that we've been washed in the blood of Christ? You're here tonight and you know that you're a sinner. You need to be saved. You know that you've got a soul. You know that Jesus Christ is the only saviour of sinners. You know it's not the church that saves. Christ is the one that does the saving. It's not the sacraments. It's the sacrifice of Christ and the shedding of his blood. It's not living for the church. How many in Northern Ireland live for the church? And that's a good thing. I'm not decrying that. But how many just live for the church, but they don't live for Christ? And there's a difference. Paul says, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you a child of God tonight? Maybe you're here, and if we ask for the designation, an analysation of where you're at in a spiritual sense, Maybe the word wise couldn't be used. Maybe it's the word foolish. Yes, you're a child of God by creation. God has made you in his image. God has blessed you. But, but how many who have been blessed physically and materially in Northern Ireland tonight are indifferent to spiritual things? God has given them so much. And, and, and the very gifts that he has given hasn't brought to their heart the giver of those gifts. Because they're not saved. And as the Bible says, the harvest, or, or the summer has ended, the harvest has passed, and we are not yet saved. Maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're a backslider. You're not in the place where you should be with the Lord. We get asked why. Well, the answer would be that you've moved away from the Lord. You've lost your appetite for spiritual things. You've lost your appetite for prayer and for his word and, and for his presence. You only have to think of the prodigal son and how many spiritual prodigals there are out in Northern Ireland. And yet we have to say tonight that like the father of the prodigal son who still loved his, his wayward boy who had left his home, the Lord still loves you. Like the prodigal, you need to recognize where you're at spiritually. You need to repent before you're at. You need to come to yourself. That's what happened to the prodigal. You need to return and, and bring words and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And then I said, you need to be honest. Now, now, what sort of son are we? Are we a true child of God? Recognizing this is a day of grace and opportunity for me. I'm going to work for my father because the night is coming. Are we going to be foolish? Fall asleep in the harvest time? Are we going to be remaining in a backslidden state? Only you can answer. I want you to think of the privilege of sonship. Very quickly, I want you to think of the period of slothfulness. Because the text says, He that sleepeth in harvest. Now, now, what's that a reference to in a spiritual sense? You can get it in a literal sense, can't you? But think of it in a spiritual sense. Is it not a reference to the wasting of one's life? You see, I believe if we're sleeping in harvest, just like that 
wise son would say of his brother, he's as lazy as shut water. If we're sleeping the harvest, it means that we're sluggish. We're slothful. We're, we're, we're spiritually lazy. And of course, in Solomon's Proverbs, laws from heaven for life and earth, he, he, he addresses the lazy man. He, he says in verse 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. See, the ant, of course, is a small little creature. It's insignificant. It's not a big, giant creature. It's not a handsome creature. It's not a remarkable creature in my estimation. It's small. It's insignificant, I've said. And yet God says, go to the ant. Take this wee animal into your mind. Think about what the ant does. Think about the way the ant works. It is no ruler no, no, no guide, nobody to tell it to do this or that or another. And yet those ants work together daily, diligently, passionately. And here's the question. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? Here's the answer. Yet a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And those that talk like that in a spiritual sense, here's the message, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. See, this, this foolish son failed to think about his laziness and his slothfulness. He didn't consider or contemplate or use his mind as far as this life is concerned, about far as he, eternity was concerned. He, he's indifferent to a wasted life. He, he is interested in other things, a little sleep. He, he's full of ingratitude. He, he, he's inconsistent. And I use these words deliberately because I was going to preach another sermon. But, but I felt that um, I leave it to a different time. But it's not the description of many tonight. Spiritually, they're indifferent. They're interested in other things. They're full of ingratitude to what God has done and given to them. And they're inconsistent. And it all amounts to this. It's a waste of their life. Their mind is full of the things of the world. Things of time and things of sense. Solomon, Solomon talks about sleeping in harvest. And it's a reference to a waste of life. There's a period of slothfulness. <coughs> Consider the ant and be wise. Use your strength that God has given you. Use your talents that God has given you. Use your time that God has given you. And use it to his glory. Can you just Think of this family for a moment. Sun's up. The cock is crow. The wife and husband, the farm hands are out of bed. One son's by his father's side out labouring in the field. And the question is, where's your brother? And the answer is, well, he's indifferent to the harvest. He's no interest. He's been inconsistent. He's, he's full of ingratitude. 
And do you think of the impact that that would have in the heart and mind of that father? You, you think of the talk it would be among the farmhands if this was happening literally and historically. Wouldn't that farmer be frustrated? Wouldn't he be heartbroken? Wouldn't he be annoyed? And wouldn't he be upset? I know of a man in this area, I'll not mention his name, and he had some farmhands who he wanted to get up out of bed and milk those cows. And they didn't do it when he called them. So he took out a bucket of water and he went into the caravan where they were sleeping. This is true. And he threw the water over them and says, get up out of that. You can just picture the frustration and the annoyance and the upset. And you could argue, but it's harvest season, son. And you're asleep. And what is true literally is true spiritually. Let me say this. Life is not a rehearsal, folks. How many times have I said that to you? You don't get a second opportunity. You don't get a third. Only one life to live. And the question is this. Are we industrialists spiritually? Are we dependable? Are we hardworking? Are we amongst those that are there to the end? Is there a stickability? Or are we spiritually asleep when it comes to the things of God? The Lord Jesus told us in John 9, Work while it is yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work. He himself said, I must work the works of him that sent me. In other words, let's take every opportunity. Let's seize every moment to, to, to spiritually do the work of God. Whatever God has given us to do, whatever talents we have. Jesus himself said, I must needs go through Samaria. He was going there to save one woman, the woman at the well. Don't put it off. Don't delay. There has to be diligence and dedication and commitment. Doesn't the Bible say, Woe unto them who are at ease in Zion? Amos 6 and 1. And when it comes to the prayer meeting, when it comes to the outreach work, when it comes to the Sunday services, when it comes to the children's work, the Sunday school, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, Could I have been there? Was I free? Was I fit and healthy? Why was I not there? Why had I no desire to go? I should have been there. Because life is so short. And we're going to be held accountable for our lives. Let's remember that. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And yet so many of God's dear people today, in a spiritual sense, they're sleeping. I'm not saying they're not saved, but they're sleeping when it comes to opportunities that God has given for witness and service. I think of King David. Remember, he was backslidden. Because he was backslidden, he was exposed to sinful choices. One day he wasn't in the battle when he should have been leading the army. 
was one day he wasn't busy when he should have been busy about the Lord's business. There was one night when he wasn't in bed because he couldn't sleep because he'd been in bed earlier during that day. And the rest is history. And it's recorded, sadly, his sins in the Bible. What he did. Why? Because spiritually he was asleep. And God's call is this, awake thou that sleepest. It was the great Spurgeon who said this. Our idle days are Satan's busy days in our lives. Now, now, of course, let me qualify. I'm not saying that we've got to be at the Lord's work 24-7. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go on a bicycle ride. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a little holiday. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a hobby. I'm not saying that you should have a time of relaxation and quietness. I love a time of relaxation and quietness myself. But let's not allow our hobby to become an obsession. That, that, that we're so obsessed and absorbed by it that we neglect the things of God. And we, we, we lose out with the Lord. Let's not neglect the opportunity, even if we are in a period of holiday. Or having a, 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 a time when we're experiencing enjoyment through a hobby. That whatever person comes across our path or whoever we meet on life's journey, we're still living for the Lord. And we're still seizing every opportunity providentially to talk about him and to tell others what he has done for us. There's a period of slothfulness here. And lastly, there's a principle of shame here. Notice the result of sleeping in harvest. What does the text say? But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. See, the harvest remembers a critical time. It's a crucial time for a family in the land of Israel. It's a crucial time for us in the Western Hemisphere. It's a crucial thing for the church of Jesus Christ. And of course we, we want to see a, a glorious harvest. But if one son in this picture here has gone AWOL, absent without leave, and the father's heartbroken, then what's the result? Shame. The father feels a sense of shame. The brother feels a sense of shame. The workers feel a sense of shame. And the young man himself should be full of shame for his own behaviour. Think of the father. My boy's life is spent sleeping. He's wasting the greater part of it. Remember, he's a young fella. He's rejected his father's call, for no doubt his father called him. Maybe his father threw a bucket of water over him as well and he didn't respond. The father was weary. The father knew he was unwise. This young fella didn't have a testimony. It was causing shame. And surely, for someone that spiritually is asleep, and there's an indifference to the things of God, and there's an inconsistency, let me tell you a little story, university, nothing to do with Northern Ireland. This is one of them fancy universities over in America. Uh, I believe it was connected to a very large Baptist church where they have their own university. Hundreds of young people there. Sunday morning, 
uh, the service was at half ten and you were expected to dress up in a suit and tie and girls to dress appropriately and go along to the service in the morning and you'd have expected all of the students connected to that Baptist university to, to, to at least go to the service, wouldn't you? But you know what some of them were doing? They were getting up about ten past eleven, dressing up in their Sunday best, shirt and tie on, and when the others were coming out of church to go into the breakfast hall, they were going down and following in the company, just as if they'd been at church. Nobody knew any difference. But some people recognized he wasn't there, she was absent. And it was an inconsistent testimony. And how many of us who name the name of Christ, you know, no, let's be real about this here. Let, let's at least be honest before God and say, yes, we are indifferent to the spiritual things. There's times we just couldn't care less and times we're fed up and times we're maybe angry and upset over something and we just say, I'll not bother going. Now, I'm talking about when we're fit and able. And there's an inconsistency there. And there's an ingratitude for what God has done and given to us. And it's not a good testimony. Because the world, the unsaved, they'll never read their Bibles. But I tell you, they'll watch our lives like a hawk. And they can spot inconsistency, ingratitude, hypocrisy a mile away. And they wouldn't belong to tell us. I can remember I said to my shame after I got converted. I was maybe saved about a year. And uh, I, I used to be very fond of dances, of the way I couldn't dance to save my life. I needed to be blocked out of my head to go to a dance and act the Egypt in a dance floor. But anyway, uh, after about maybe 11 months, I was invited to this dance in Cold Rain. It was run by the nurses. And I remember I had him a coat, a wee wee badge, Jesus saves. And I'm there at the dance, and I'm not dancing. I'm actually thinking I'm going to be a witness for the Lord here. And uh, this girl, uh, she she came and grabbed a hold of me by the hand and yanked me up onto the floor and started sort of jiving away. And I'm sort of standing there, not knowing I'm saved now, what am I going to do? And then she spied my badge. What's that? I says, oh, it's a wee badge. Uh, Jesus saves. She says, you're a hypocrite. What are you doing here? And you know, boom. Three days I wrestled with the Lord. That was a valuable experience. Very valuable. The only thing that we have is our testimony. And if it's bringing shame to our Heavenly Father or the name of Christ, then it will bring shame to to ourselves and shame us before others. I leave this thought with you. Matthew 25 you've got the parable of the talents one talent was given to one man two to another and five to another the men were to use their talents wisely they were told use them or lose them. The man was, was given one he buried his the man that was given two he used it and got two more the man that was given five used it and gained five more Whenever the Lord came back to uh, speak to his servants and see how they were getting on, the man who was given the one talent, who had buried it, he was designated a wicked servant. His heart was not right. He was not truly the Lord's servant. Although he professed it outwardly. 
His heart was not in the work. He, he was really despising the God who gave him the one talent in his grace and in his goodness. His heart was not engaged. The, the motivation was wrong. And I'm thinking of this principle of shame. Sleeping in harvest. Why are we asleep? When? It's the harvest time. What? You're shameful in the eyes of your father. Now let's apply that to her heart. I, I know tonight is searching. I know tonight is normally a gospel service that we have. But I leave this with you. 53 times the word harvest is mentioned. And we're tonight at the harvest service here in Killingur again. And I've always preached on the subject of harvest. Here's another text. Sleeping in the harvest. Are you privilege to be a son of God can you say I'm his tonight is that your testimony think of this period of slothfulness sleeping in the harvest think of this principle shame may the Lord bless his word to your heart tonight